0: Hey, I'm Tommy
1: Chong welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody. And welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from PersisGrowroom.com. In this week's interview, it was just a short one, I'm afraid. It was only about half hour long, but it is with an epic guest. Bruce Bugby joins us in this episode. Bruce Bugby is a professor at Utah University. He gets funded by NASA to do research on plants. He's like an expert in hydroponics. And we just spent some time to talk to him about the work he does, uh, the research he's done on growing plants on Mars and the moon and in space, and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. So, it's a real cool interview and we massively appreciate his time. Though we could only join us for half hour, it's still a good interview and it was good of him to come and join us. Hopefully we can get him back on the show at sometime in the future to talk about this kind of stuff some more. But for now, here is the interview with Dr. Bruce Bugby. See you in a bit. We'll quickly introduce ourselves so you know who you're talking to. I am Mackie. I am from the UK, the host of High and Homegrown, admin of Percy's Growroom.com, the Cannabis Growers Forum. And we also have Monkey Doo. Monkey, you want to say hello?
0: Hey, Bruce. This is Monkey, uh, also from Percy's, down here in the Southeast US. Uh, And that's the reason there's an avatar up here and not my picture, because I'm in a prohibition land down here.
1: So do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners there, Doctor? Do you want to tell everybody who you are, what you do? Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm... Bruce Mugby at Utah State University. I'm a professor here. I do high input agriculture um, and ha- mostly our work is funded by NASA to uh, do you know, very, very high input and very high output agriculture.
1: Yeah, that's cool. We've I mean, seeing that you're uh, funded by NASA as well. That's super awesome.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so how long have you been funded by NASA?
2: 40 years. 40 long years.
1: Time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've seen you've been doing a lot of work since the '80s with hydroponics as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. All of that includes high input root zone environments too. Yep,
1: Hmm. just trying to get as much nutrients into the plant as possible.
2: Well, no, more like balanced nutrition, Mm -hmm. not maximum optimal nutrition.
0: Mm -hmm. I like that better. Yeah,
1: yeah. It seems very interesting. And you've been working in the hydroponics for about 40 years now. Yep. Have you ever moved into organics and tried that, or is it just strictly hydroponics that like you work with?
2: No, we work lots with soilless media. I mean, hmm. we do more with soilless media even than hydroponics.
1: Right. So you mean like cocoa?
2: Yeah. Most of our work is with peat, but hmm. we also do some work with cocoa and with mineral wool root zones too.
1: Right. Okay. So like rock wool. Yeah. Rock oh, cool. Cool. And do you work with other crops as well as cannabis or just cannabis?
2: No, no. We work mostly with other crops.
1: Right, right. So just, a, just occasionally with cannabis.
2: Well, no, quite a bit of our work is with cannabis too, cool. especially in the last five years when it became federally legal to uh, mm-hmm. work with low THC cannabis. Yeah, the the whole hemp thing.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do do you use cannabis yourself or is it just a strictly professional?
2: No, I'm I'm just a researcher on it. I didn't get into it from growing it like like some other people did. Mm
1: -hmm. But you're growing it and you're like, "Mm, that smells delicious. So (laughs) You're never tempted by it.
2: Oh, no, I haven't Mm -hmm. really really thought about it, but yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. So are you growing plants now? Do you have like a laboratory where you're growing plants
2: yeah, that's that this this is a research laboratory, yes.
1: Cool. And that's what in your Utah State University?
2: Utah State University.
1: Cool. So you just like put the white coat on, head into the lab and mm-hmm. grow plants? Yep. Yep, pretty much. Wow. So how, how long have you been growing um at the university in your lab? Is that has that been a long time? Well for- it,
2: it, it became federally legal. I think it was december 2018 i remember and that's that's when it became legal in the united states all right
1: so that's when you was able to start uh testing grows with cannabis
2: yeah
1: cool cool and and i suppose you've never been to space right
2: not
0: personally (laughs) yeah
1: but some of your work has been there yeah cool
0: now, I did read about one, of on a space shuttle. Uh, I think it was maybe about a year ago where they were actually able to harvest and actually eat something they grew on the space, sh- or the, the space station, I believe it was lettuce.
2: Yeah, right, yeah.
0: Were, were you involved in that project?
2: Not directly, I've been involved in, our stuff is more for Mars than it is for uh, um, the space station. But, and and But we do, we have projects for both places. Mm-hmm um our stuff more is uh closed systems food production and closed systems where you recycle all the waste back to the plant
1: right and they had that thing in the uk was it called the eden project was that what it was called where they tried to use a closed system to grow plants and see how long people could survive for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you work on projects like that as well um y- yes right what is the longest uh, you've managed to get plants to survive in a closed system?
2: Oh, indefinitely. I mean, cool. um, but I guess we, mostly if you, it's it's when we say closed, it's it's um, um, controlled additions, like like we use the same root zone media, but we add co- continuously add nutrients
3: mm-hmm.
2: to it. Um, and oh it's it's like in space it's rigorously closed you know the gases have to be recycled Mm. so we so we exchange gases with the outside Mm.
1: so is Mm -hmm. this you're working with um growing plants on mars is there any specific thing that you think is going to be difficult about growing plants on mars
2: well for one everything has a hundred percent recycled so Mm. Unlike Earth, we can just kind of open a window and put some more, more stuff in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, all the nutrients have to be recycled, all the gases have to be recycled. It's it's a has to be a very strictly uh, closed thing, mm-hmm. and and we're not there yet. You know, we we can have closed systems for like a year on right. the ground, but on Mars we want to go longer than that
1: it takes mm-hmm. at least six months to get stuff from earth to mars and that's yes, when that's right. mars that's is right. close to earth as well because it can be on the other side of the sun sometimes right? that's right yes yeah. is the atmosphere of mars mainly made up of co2 as well
2: it is it's only about one percent of our atmospheric mm-hmm. pressure mm-hmm. but it's almost pure co2 mm. so there's plenty of co2 for photosynthesis on mars
1: but plants need oxygen as well, right? When it gets to nighttime, they use oxygen instead of CO2. They
2: do. They do. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but they would make the oxygen from um, photosynth- photosynthesis. So in other words, they make the oxygen from the CO2.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, They're recycling it themselves in a way then.
2: And then and then you recycle the oxygen. Yep.
0: Okay. Interesting. There's a question question here in chat, and I don't know if you can answer this one, but they're asking me, are there any problems growing in zero-G? How does that work?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of problems. Um, The most immediate one is the water doesn't drain out of the pot, so it's easy to flood the plants. And so we have to do very precision watering, so we don't have too much water for the plants. Um, The plants grow toward the light, so it's Mm -hmm. really not a problem to orient the plants. Um, But the biggest thing is um, trying to keep the water exactly right and and not overwater the plants without gravity.
0: Now, the the plants, the the tops grow toward the light. The roots, I always thought, grew related to gravity.
2: No, they, they, they grow, well, they do, but they also grow away from the light and okay. they also grow toward the water. So okay. they wherever there's water, they'll they'll grow toward that.
0: So you can actually train the plant then to find what it needs in space yeah. just by putting what it needs where it where you want it to be. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Very nice.
1: Yes, it must but, be some real interesting research to be doing. How
2: do yeah, you oh, simulate
1: yeah. that in on Earth? How do you assimilate a uh, zero gravity environment? We
2: we Mars? we can't. Um, right. the only way we do it is in this thing called the kc-135 which is a airplane that does parabolic mm-hmm. flights and it gets a couple minutes of um, the
1: the vomit rocket that right the the vomit. Vomit. The vomit. Vomit. that's the vomit. one vomit comet yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And,
2: and but but we have to do a lot of modeling capillary action and modeling of where things will go right and then we fly them in space and test the models
1: wow what plants have, uh, have you seen grow in space with one of your experiments?
2: You, oh, you send mostly, instructions
1: to somebody up in the space station. Is that how it works?
2: Most Mostly wheat. We've bred okay. a real dwarf wheat. Um, but lettuce and tomatoes um, are are some of the most common ones. Um, that really uh, salad crops, leafy greens, ones that you if you mm. don't grow them up there, you're not going to have them fresh.
1: Mm-hmm. So we have a, an interesting question there from four plants in the chat. zone. So, would Matt Damon have actually survived in Martian? And, you know, it leads to an interesting question of when you're watching films about space, like, for example, Martian, does any of that ever frustrate you when you, when you see bad science?
2: Oh, I was interviewed maybe 20 times about the, the movie, The Martian. Oh, wow. Uh, and yeah, there's plenty of, things in there that are fiction but the concept is still correct mm-hmm. and um it the concept of you got to grow your own food if you're going to be there is a, is fundamentally correct so mm-hmm. the the things that are not correct are sort of minor details and and even though i've given interviews on the things that aren't right i just say well look skip over those this is science fiction and think of the big picture
1: yeah yeah just make it entertaining at least
2: yeah
1: it's an interesting movie i, I like the march and i thought it was pretty good
2: yeah but yeah, I, I, like I like
1: sci-fi i like science so <laughs> so how do you think it's going to be possible i mean elon musk he speaks about going to mars and i think he mentioned at some point that he wanted to get people onto mars by 2026 do you think something like that is possible or, will, or are we much further away than that
2: that's pretty ambitious mm-hmm. to, to think of 2026. It, in, in fact, it, extraordinarily ambitious. Yeah. Um, um we we know we we don't need any great big science breakthroughs to be able to do it, mm. but we need to have a lot of systems that are very reliable mm-hmm. in order to be able mm-hmm. to do it.
1: Yeah. And things aren't as reliable as they used to be, you know. People yeah. still got fridges that were running from the seventies. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> but it's also just expensive too. I mean, it's hmm. as we get better technology, um, the cost to go to Mars gets cheaper.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's risky as well sending people. I suppose that's a big factor in it as well. Do you do you think it would right. be a better idea to send uh, like probes and robots, rovers? Right.
2: Right. Then, then yeah. No, if you're gonna send people, you wanna make sure you can get the people back.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that, that can survive as well. Mm. Sorry, Moki. I was gonna say, what about sending robots to prepare for people being there?
2: Yeah, well, we in a sense we do that now. We okay. send robots to check for water, check for potential places to land, um, getting getting more information about Mars. Mm-hmm. Um so we, we we're doing some of that now to kind of investigate um but for example where would we go on mars what's what landing site would be optimal mm-hmm. and we don't know the answer to that yet right? do you think no.
1: there is going to be any optimal place
2: oh for sure we're going to go where there's water
3: right um, that's a good and idea
2: water's heavy we don't want to have to bring that up there
1: mm-hmm
2: and and we want to get more evidence that we're going to be able to extract the water it might be frozen underground um but but we're going to need to go where we can get water
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's going to be a big factor to the growing of the plants for sure yeah so do you work on uh breeding the different plants as well like you pheno hunting for example where you're trying to find the best phenotype of different plants to we do yeah we do i suppose you're putting into a lot of research on making things grow faster with less nutrients
2: yep mm. yep and we we bred a, a, two types of wheat um some time ago um that are very dwarf and, and so it can grow in limited volume in space right um,
1: is that
0: specifically? one of those a... is
2: called one of those is called apogee wheat and another is called perigee wheat
0: very right. nice i like that yeah
2: and Apogee is the point in an orbit farthest from the Earth, mm-hmm. and perigee is a point in an orbit closest to the Earth.
1: Right. So that's where we can get there faster. Yeah. So is that Apogee the one which takes longest to grow?
2: Um it's no, it's just taller. It's right, a little right. bit they're both very short,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: Apogee is a little taller.
1: You also mm-hmm. was you the founder of Apogee Instruments as well for and then plan.
2: I when I started the company, Apogee Instruments, I thought that was quite a nice name, so I named the company Apogee Instruments too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and they do like um, pH meters, EC meters. What kind of instruments they? A- are they Apogee
2: making? Instruments primarily does uh, sensors and meters to measure light and okay. photosynthetic radiation. We call them quantum sensors and quantum meters, and they're widely widely used in well in the cannabis community to measure the light intensity for the plants that's a real critical variable mm-hmm. uh-huh. so Apogee uses those I mean here's I got one here sitting on my desk but here's one of them I can let's see I can hold that up here like yep. this yeah um, and I just turn it on and it measures ah, it's a little dark to see but it measures the light there we go. If I turn it toward the light, you can see mm-hmm. measures the light in this room and then you keep pushing it. And it tells you the daily light integral of the each day previous. It has a computer inside of it and it, it stores all the information in its memory. Right. And you mm-hmm. can down, download it to a computer.
1: So suppose a plant has uh, you have the like the maximum daily light integ- integral, you say interval?
2: yeah yeah and well you cannabis, have a minimum as well right cannabis benefits from really high light levels right um and and exactly how high and um and if you give them high light you got to keep everything else in balance too mm-hmm. more water more nutrients
1: mm-hmm. uh, and all of uh, those things and more co2 as well right
2: and more co2 right
1: and this yep. is some research that right, you've done recently on co2 and fancy is that
2: right um, well, the recent studies are with cannabis, as opposed to studies on other crops, um, which the, the, all the crops respond similarly, like to CO2, for example. The exception is cannabis benefits from really high light levels, hmm. and, the, and the other crops are much less so.
1: All right. Hmm. So that's a it's a specific difference with cannabis compared to other crops like tomatoes and lettuce and wheat. Yeah. Is it a big difference in the amount of light cannabis can take compared to the others?
2: Oh, it depends on what you're comparing it to. But I mean, right. I could you could say maybe it's similar to corn, but much higher than oh soybeans and tomatoes. Right. Maybe double the the light for for um, tomatoes, mm-hmm. and tomatoes are double the light of lettuce. Lettuce wow. doesn't benefit from such high light levels.
1: So you can grow lettuce in the shade, essentially. Yeah. So that that would be a good one to grow on Mars. Well, is the is the light difference a big difference between Earth and Mars? Is the sun a lot but less Mars, powerful?
2: Mars has about half the light of the Earth.
1: Okay. Right. So that's something it's,
0: that you need to take into consideration. Yeah,
2: it's farther from the sun, so. Mm-hmm.
0: But that's lettuce territory for sure, then.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but we really can't grow stuff up there in a greenhouse. It has to be, um, solar panels and led lights
3: right
2: because we need to protect the plants from um, meteorite bombardment because there's no atmosphere mm. to protect it and also cosmic radiation you have to filter that out
0: wow and who would have thought about protecting plants from meteorites i never would have thought about that but
2: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like you know when you look at your plants and you got holes in the leaves you're like it's the spider mites <laughs> it's no like, it's just meteorites it's Don't micrometeorites worry coming down and smashing your plants <laughs> god damn
2: well, in addition to plants, it's the greenhouse, right? The, has, the greenhouse needs to be pressurized and, oh. and it's got to be transparent to let the light through. And then, then a basketball sized meteorite comes hurling in, you know, and as they do regularly. So mm. there's, so there's quite a bit of a damage that can happen to a structure on Mars.
1: So that's something that you can work on here on Earth, right? Do you have like a greenhouse yep. in a pressurized container, like a that's near, right. near vacuum? Yeah, that's
2: right. That's right.
1: Yep. Is that something you have in your lab as well?
2: Um, we don't do so much work on pressure, right? Although we're high in the mountains, so we're eighty-five percent of sea level pressure. Mm-hmm. Up here. Um, but we do studies on the effects of low pressure. Um, and we're we're really fine, and uh, as long as we're above about half of sea level pressure, um, and then and then after that, it's it's water evaporates really fast. It's hard to keep the plants watered mm. if the atmospheric pressure is is so low.
1: Do you find that they drink more as well?
2: Is and they more. That's
1: yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. So, this is something you have to do, especially when you're growing hydroponics as well. It's something you have to take into consideration when you're feeding them and putting nutrients into the water.
2: Right. Yes. It's,
1: it's a lot, it's very complex, isn't it?
2: Yeah. It's a lot it well, that needs to be thought about. That's why they fund a university research laboratory to uh, do all these studies and all the interactions among different things.
1: So, how does that work? Do you, do you contact NASA and be like, I've got this really cool idea? Can you send me some money to pay for it and they'll assess it and send you what you need? No, Na-
2: NASA puts out a request for proposals right. to the all over the United States. And and they they tell you the things they want, they want to study, and then you write them a proposal to work on these things. Hmm. And and they're competitive proposals. They get reviewed by a review panel. And if it's chosen for funding, then then you get money.
1: Right. Is that a long process?
2: Yeah, yeah, mm. it is.
1: Yeah, usually, usually is when you're dealing with uh, government companies. Still, yeah. It still has to be done, right?
2: Well, we're set up to do that kind of research. So, mm-hmm. yes.
1: Yeah, so, so it must be easier for you to get these grants because you've already got everything prepared and ready to go. Y-
2: yes, that's right. That's why it, it's gone on for so long. We have a lot of background doing this stuff.
1: So what about growing on the moon? Is this another is this a thing that you look into as well? Do you think that would yep. be possible? Yep. That'd um, be
2: interesting. Yep. Moon doesn't have any atmosphere at all, but that's mm-hmm. okay. You have a pressurized vehicle. And and moon has one sixth of the gravity of Earth. So it has some gravity
1: mm-hmm.
2: which which helps separate air and water.
1: Do you think that's something that we're going to be doing in the future as well? Or are we a long way away from that?
2: Oh. Is there already a base
1: on the moon and they just don't let us know?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it's likely <laughs> we'll have a base on the moon first, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yep. And then we'll move from the moon over to Mars.
2: Yeah.
1: It seems like the most likely thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's all amazing stuff, but it's
1: mm-hmm.
2: stuff NASA is funding and, and they're working on
1: yeah so you must like do you do a, a lot of the research there's more other universities out there doing the same kind of work as you are like are you in competition with other universities or yeah do you yeah, work together? We are.
2: yeah they write proposals too right for NASA. so yes it's it's very competitive
1: mm-hmm. did you have a lot of uh students working with you because you work at the university do you yeah oh yeah, all the
2: work all the work is done by students yes right, graduate right. students
1: okay are they going for their PhD or do you already have it? Yes.
2: Yes. They're going for their PhDs. Yep. Cool.
1: Cool. Specifically in plant science.
2: Yes. Wow.
1: Yeah. So how long ago did you get your uh, degree in plant science?
2: Oh, a little over 40 years ago.
1: Wow. So a things have changed ago. a lot since then. Yeah. 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 What would you find is the most, uh, the, the biggest change in plant science you've seen of that amount of time?
2: Mm.
1: There's been the a lot
2: tools, of a... the tools to do the research are a lot different. You mm, know we, mm. we could there's we have a lot more when I started, you know when I was in high school, we were still using slide rolls to do the math. Wow. Um, and now we have computers and computerized control of the environment. Um, LEDs have been a big technological breakthrough. We can now we can study colors of light a lot better
1: that's an interesting uh, concept there do you find that certain different uh certain colors of light work better with plants than others because we hear sometimes that green isn't good to use for them
2: yeah i mean no green is really fine Hmm. um but we can manipulate plant shape with colors of light yes
1: right in what way
2: um blue light makes plants short and and far red light makes plants taller um, so we can manipulate the ratios of those colors Mm.
3: Uh,
2: green a red light is really efficiently produced so Mm -hmm. we typically use a lot of red light to grow plants
1: Mm -hmm. just Just
2: red red, light on its own red red photons from leds
1: yeah these are a specific uh, type of leds like a certain brand that you prefer to use do you think that's no better than
2: this? no there's there's a oh, six or eight major manufacturers in the world hmm. and uh they're all in competition with each other and then they sell leds to many companies hmm. um and uh so there's many companies that hmm. sell leds
1: Just using the right kind of diodes like the lm301bs and things like that yeah how many plants do you have growing in your laboratory at one time
2: oh we have 44 growth chambers so
1: wow cool there's
2: there's quite a few different studies going on at once
1: and all of them 44 growth chambers are all running running at the same time
2: uh, yes wow
1: different strains different plants so, so. in each one yep
2: yep so there's a lot of students doing the work
1: mm. that must be so cool you must have seen a big uptick in uh in people wanting to grow cannabis as well over the last few years because the legal state changing
2: sure there no, mm-hmm. there has been as it's become more and more legal there's been more people yep mm-hmm.
1: would you say that's the majority of plants grown now
2: um oh no no the food crop plants are still way way more than any cannabis oh cool you it, guys it's it's 227 here and I've got a 230 meeting so
1: okay uh, we, so you must be off
2: <laughs> yeah sorry that's uh
1: Oh no, that's fine. It's fine. We, of course, understand. You, we understand you're a very busy guy. Yes,
2: sir.
1: Um, yeah, I can't well, believe half hours passed by that quickly. That was sort of fast.
2: We, yeah, it, it does. We got a lot of balls in the air. That's what we always say. Mm-hmm.
1: I
0: understand,
2: mm-hmm. man.
1: Yeah, but well, uh, do you want to quickly tell everybody where they can find you and find out more work, uh, find out more about your work and your research?
2: Well, we are teaching an online class in cannabis cultivation. Oh, cool! And if you search for cannabis.usu.edu you will find the information on the class mm. now usu is utah state university mm-hmm. and then edu is educational so it's cannabis.usu.edu that has the registration inf- information for this course all right um, and it's, it's, you have to pay tuition, it's it's a university course, uh, but there's people from all over the world um, that have registered for it and have really liked it. We taught it once last year and by popular demand, we're teaching it again. Um, and I think the registration is just about to close. Maybe it's even closed already, I'm not sure, but um, that's been a real popular class.
1: Yeah, you gotta go check that out, everybody.
2: Well, we'd get on a waiting list for the version number three, I guess. Yes, of
1: course. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure, Doctor. We should do yeah. one another time. We could talk some more. Thank you, guys. It's nice thank you, nice sir. to
2: visit with you. Yes. Thank you. Have Appreciate a good meeting. It. Yep. Bye, bye now.
1: Bye-bye. Bye bye.
2: See you later. Bye bye.
1: Cool. So that's Dr. Bruce Bugby. Shame he couldn't stay for longer. Busy man, man. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? it's these guys in the
0: university is doing all this research and shit. We're
1: going yeah. to be very busy.
0: When we get a little bit of time with these people, I mean, it's, it's an honor just to, to get whatever we can with them. You know, we've mm-hmm. had several doctors come on and every time they, they give up their day and their time to give us information. So that's wonderful stuff.
1: There we go, everybody. That was Dr. Bruce Bugby. Now, he does have a cannabis growing course over on his website. So, make sure you go and check that out if it's something you're interested in. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this interview. I hope to catch you on Friday for the Grow Guides, where we talk about growing cannabis in cocoa. So we go in depth into that specific medium. And then next week, we're going to be talking about building your own living soil. So we have a couple of weeks of awesome grow guides coming. We also have uh, making worm farms the week after that as well. So lots of cool grow guides coming up. If you have any ideas for subjects for us to talk about for grow guides, then let us know over on persysgrowroom.com or you can join our Discord server as well. You can just come and find us over there. The link to that is in the description of this download. So just go there, click on the link and you can join the Discord for free. So anyway, have a good week. Hope you enjoyed the interview. Stay high, stay safe, and we'll see you on the next one. Goodbye.